Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to this episode. And this is all about art therapy. And I wanted to talk about this because over the last few years, I've had questions about what is it? What does that entail? What does that look like? What do you mean you do that for a job? Um, does that just make mean you just like get people to draw pictures? There's a lot of misunderstanding around it. And, and I have to admit that I also had no idea that it was a profession and that I had also done it myself um, for my personal development and recovery. And I really did the training in it for my own just interest. I always love to learn. I'm always keen to get more depth in a certain area. The moment I'm working on really understanding neuroscience and psychology, but art therapy was just something that I thought, oh, that sounds really interesting. So I did it just as a as an interest. It was a two-year diploma, and then um, I ended up using it in my work. So what is art therapy? Um, I, there's so many different explanations on Google. If I type in what is art therapy, loads of different kind of <clears throat> synopsis of what that is. I would put it into words as a beneficial technique that engages creative exercises to enhance self-awareness or overcome issues and trauma. It's a bit wordy, but essentially using creative tools, methods, games, creative play to work through some sort of personal issue or um, learn a little bit more about oneself. So psychoanalyzing the creative process, really. And there's art in therapy and art as therapy. And I was really interested as in the art in therapy side of things, which basically is probably used by some counsellors, some psychologists, um, where people go along for a session and they might start talking about something traumatic or a problem they have in their lives. And then it is deemed by the practitioner that it would be really helpful to get creative or use some drawing or maybe some clay, or if it's someone who's non-verbal or a child or someone who can't articulate their feelings or their thoughts in words, then often you can use artistic creative techniques to um, work through a problem. So that would be art in therapy. For me, I find that fascinating because you're actually tapping into the subconscious. You're tapping into the non-logical, non-thinking side of the brain when you use creativity. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but art that's art in therapy. It's a little bit confrontational a little bit overwhelming for some people to do that. So when I meet a new client, I am an art therapist. They know that I am an art therapist. They employ me as an art therapist. I will always say, are you looking more to do art in therapy? So work around some issues, talk about things, sort of approach me like a counsellor and we do art as a way to work through that. Or would you rather do art as therapy, which is essentially what probably every single person who's ever done a colouring in book, whether it's an adult, as, as an adult or as a child, or anyone that's ever done a sip and paint class, or anyone that's ever found it really therapeutic to paint their room, um, 
or someone who's just drawn a little smiley face on a, a card for someone. That is art as therapy. So that is just the therapeutic benefits from being creative. So most people are more susceptible and more inclined to want to do what I would perceive as the softer, less invasive, lighter, light-hearted version of art therapy, and that is art as therapy. Just doing creative activities to have fun, switch off. I'll talk about all the benefits of art therapy in a sec. However, as an art therapist and as someone who is deeply um, interested in helping people to become more self-aware, work through trauma, someone who has basically worked my whole life to empower, educate and inspire others, I want to try and go deeper. So sometimes I will have a client who thinks that they're doing art as therapy and then Every now and then there might be a little session that gives us the opportunity to actually talk about something a little bit more poignant, a little bit more hard-hitting, um, yeah, a little bit more personal we go a bit deeper. So the kind of person that can benefit from art therapy, I would say, is every single person on the planet. So children, obviously, they spend a lot of time creating and playing. A high-powered executive in, in a law firm they need to be able to come up with creative ways in which to approach a stressful situation. We've got people in nursing homes who need to um, enjoy switching off or having dexterity issues where they can pick up a piece of clay and they can do some molding. We've got just the mum who's at home, new mum, maybe she's a bit bored, maybe she's a bit stressed, maybe she's got lots on her mind, loads of um, tasks to do, or a new parent doesn't have to be a mum, and they just find that with a glass of wine, sitting down with a colouring in book as an adult, that's a really lovely way to wind down of an evening. There is absolutely no reason why people cannot benefit from doing art therapy. So I'm going to talk about my experience as someone who benefited from art therapy in my teens. And then I'm going to talk about how I became an art therapist. And then some sort of case studies around how specific examples of how art therapy has helped and that might hopefully give a bit more um, context into how it can be used in so many areas in life. So if you've listened to previous episodes you will know that I had a turbulent time in my teens and I became anorexic and I ended up having to stay as an inpatient in a hospital for close to two years so two separate admissions but the whole time I was there I lived on site I did my um, GCSEs is what they're called but my year 10 and year 11 exams in hospital and every day was basically uh, revising and um, eating that was that was really my 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 whole life revolved around eating and um, getting physically stronger and healthier but also trying to revise obsessively for my exams because I'm also dyslexic and um, needed to work really hard in studying so my art teacher suggested that I keep a visual diary and this sounds obvious to me now but at the time 15 16 never even heard of the concept but she said why don't you do a drawing a sketch a painting or something every single day and it can be either what's in front of you or it can just be how you feel or it can be an abstract of 
um, yeah, emotions or what's going through your mind, or if you're having a particularly challenging day, get that out on paper in a creative way. And I've kept those diaries. I think there's about three of those filled up, plus some bigger pieces on on paper. And I was actually working towards my GCSE art as well. So I didn't use the diaries for that, but there was so much um, material that I created, paintings. I tried to dodge the system a little bit. I wasn't really allowed outside, but I started this painting of the building just so that I could obviously spend more time outside painting but um yeah loads and loads of creations and I've over the years gone back and looked at those and unsurprisingly most of them are extremely dark extremely um hard to look at there's some depictions of myself so I've drawn kind of like bones and and skeletons there's lots of blacks used lots of reds lots of angles you can see the page covered in in pain, in anger, in darkness. You can you can see my emotion on the page. And I didn't realise at the time, but I suspect that that was a huge part of me actually overcoming and working through the trauma that I was going through being anorexic. Because I now know as an art therapist that any creative expression is an expression of your subconscious. So it is near impossible to create something um first of all use your right side of the brain so a different part of your brain to your logic side your analytical your thinking side which is your left side of the brain so using the right side of the brain but especially if it's abstract you cannot use your um left side logical side of brain to create something abstract if it's based on feelings so all of the trauma that i experienced and what kept me in an anorexic state was subconscious, deep down, unresolved emotion. And this is a little side note, but just for anyone that is dealing with addiction and um, trauma or loads of challenges in their life, ill mental health um, illnesses, you cannot think yourself out of it. You have to strip it back and get to the subconscious deep-rooted pain that is in your kind of like deep soul that's a whole other conversation but basically art has the power to do that it pulls it out so one activity that I do with clients now as an art therapist is I get them to do an abstract creation I will ask them to think of a topic or a question or a specific um, thing and hold that in their mind we will then um, just have an array of tools, crayons, pens, paints, whatever they want to use. They will create an abstract, so no recogni- recognizable visual things at all are allowed. So just splodges of color and pattern on the page. And then I take each element of the painting that they've created. So let's just say they do a mostly black murky painting with some red splodges. And I will say, when you look at that top left corner, How does it make you feel? And they might say trapped, they might say heavy, they might say angry, they might say confused, they might say optimistic if there's a little bit of red going through the black. And we write this down and then we do that for another part of the page. I say on this bit here where you've got a red circle that's intersecting with a black circle which has a little bit of white still coming through on the page, how does that make you feel? 
And what the client does is goes around the painting that they've created, which they don't realize is their absolute subconscious that has come out onto the page. And they describe what they see. Now, inadvertently, they are describing their subconscious. So without even knowing it, they are describing how they feel. Once we've got our lists of descriptive words, kind of um, angry, confused, busy, trapped, whatever it might be, I then will say, where in your life do you feel angry, trapped and confused now? And instantly, they will think of the answer, partly because they're already connecting with that feeling because they've just brought it out on the page. So it's fresh, it's come from the subconscious and it's now in their conscious mind. Um, but also because they are seeing that feeling on the page. And it's a mirror. It's a mirror back. So when you see a happy, positive image, usually on a subconscious level, so we're not aware of this, we will feel something in connection to that image. And that feeling we attach to a memory, to a person, to a smell, to a sound, to whatever it might be. Same is true as if you create something you will attach a feeling to that creation when you see it. This is getting a little bit deep and convoluted, but essentially the subconscious is what, um, working through that is what I work with when it comes to art therapy. And it can be really, really powerful to let go of and unearth trap trauma or childhood trauma or unresolved trauma. And that is what I did when I was in hospital all of it without even knowing it. So there's some pictures in my in my sketchbooks of like the pool table or my feet or my hands or a pot on the table. Those ones, that's not really art therapy in a sense of working through subconscious trauma. That's just art as therapy and where I'll probably be able to switch off, um, enjoy looking at something and it worked as a distraction rather than um, actually working through trauma. The pictures of skeletal kind of devil creatures in boxes with bars around them and then blood oozing out of the heart, those obviously are going to be working through some um, subconscious stuff. So really, really powerful. And I believe to this day that that was a huge contributor to me working through in my own special way of um, overcoming my illness. People have often asked, how did I overcome it? I don't know fully. I never will, but I do believe that getting creative every day and doing that was really helpful. So I've just mentioned there as well that doing art is a wonderful way to distract yourself. Whenever I've taught art classes, so I've taught hundreds over the years, there's all this buzz and excitement and people apologising for being rubbish and um, recalling when they last did it, oh, I haven't painted since I was at primary school, or oh, mine's going to be really shit, or I'm really bad at this, or I'm not arty, blah, blah, all of that for about 10 minutes. Then people get into it, and they're kind of really trying, and they're agonising over whether the line is right, or if it's looking good, or blah, blah, blah. and then there's a calm. After about 20 minutes, the whole room completely changes the energy, the vibe, there's a calm and that is because everyone has entered into some sort of meditative state. Everyone just goes into their calm, no, no thinking, complete distraction state and every single class people go, oh my god that was amazing, oh it's gone so fast, so much fun but also that was so relaxing, oh wow, like it's honestly I believe it's like 
a merger between a dream and meditation. So to this day, when I create a painting, I get into a flow state and I am watching. It's like an out-of-body experience. I don't know how I create realistic paintings. I'm watching the painting come alive in front of me, especially when I'm creating animals. I'll see an animal at the end of it. I'm like, oh, hey there, buddy. Oh my gosh, you're cute. And if you'd asked me how I did it, I don't know, just sort of in a meditative state, I believe even if you're not an artist, we all have that ability. So as a child, if we take it right back, we are designed, it's an innate quality, being a human being, we create, full stop. So when people say, oh, I'm not an artist, or I'm really bad at art, I'm really rubbish, that's not true. Every person creates. That's play, that's lying, that's coming up with... Um, imagining how your holiday is going to go, imagining how a date's going to go. Imagination is creativity. Problem solving, creativity. Learning to share, creativity. Every single one of us is creating every day. Okay, so you might not be able to make a realistic depiction of a horse on a canvas, but that is partly because you haven't practiced. Because if you deem that you are not artistic and not creative, then you're not going to do it much. I've done probably... Whoa, I wouldn't even know, 10,000 hours plus in my lifetime. I'm, I'm, I'm painting every day. But the more you use something, just like a muscle, the stronger it's going to get. So the more you are creative, and it does not have to be creating a picture, it can be learning music, it can be learning a new language, it can be playing chess, it can be um, debating. But the more you're creative, the more you're going to switch on that um, ability to be creative and the better you'll get. So <clears throat> in art therapy, one thing I really try and do is encourage the process and not the outcome. In fact, I always encourage the process. I couldn't care less what it looks like. It really doesn't matter. It's like going um, for a walk or going on a holiday. What, what you look like at the absolute end of it or what your hotel room looks like at the end of the week, doesn't matter. It's the journey you've had along the way. It's the learnings. It's the awareness. It's the meditative state you've managed to get into. It's um, always the icing on the cake if you can create something beautiful, but really that is not the point. So let's just list a couple of benefits from art therapy. I'm sure I've said a few already. If it's a group session... Building and creating with others is one of the strongest things you can do for human connection. So as a tribe back in the day, building a cave house together or hunting together or collecting berries together, building a fire together, whatever it might be, doing stuff together is the most connective thing that we can do as a human race. And creating a picture is no different. So I often use art therapy in teamwork activities. I'm going to describe a teamwork activity I do, which is so powerful for self-awareness and team awareness. I'm going to describe that later, but connectivity is huge. Connecting with oneself as well. So you might not be in a group session, but if you do an art therapy session on your own, it is amazing how much insight you can get into yourself, especially, like I've already mentioned, if you do an abstract and if you have the right questions and the right 
person, an art therapist, to ask you about your creation, that's a direct reflection of your subconscious and yourself. Obviously, it's really fun. It can be a wonderful distraction. So I, because I just love colour and texture and patterns and, and material, I get completely absorbed. If there's a bit of wetness on some acrylic paint and it it kind of makes a marble effect and it merges into an oil-based pigment or if I can see the texture of the canvas coming through and then it creates this amazing kind of mottled effect, like whatever it might be, the more you engage in art, the more you see and what you see is that magic every time. So purely just as a distractive tool as a way to get out of our heads and I think let's face it most humans wish they could turn their brains off from time to time art has the absolute power to do that you don't need to be in an art therapy session just doing a coloring in um just doing a bark rubbing just uh I don't know carving a pumpkin or whatever it might be at Halloween um it's a distractive tool it's incredible I think gifting art is one of the most incredible things and we all know that if we give, that fills up the giver's cup as much as it does the person receiving. So creating a stupid little smiley face or a stick man figure or writing a note and then putting a couple of love hearts and a butterfly or whatever it might be and then gifting that is one of the most powerful gifts I think you can give because it's a piece of you. It doesn't have to be a masterpiece. Some of my favourite belongings are drawings of people that are not gifted in the drawing space, but they've given it to me and it means the absolute world because it's a one-off, it'll never be replicated and it's personal. It's a piece of someone's subconscious. It's someone's soul on the page. Um, I think that's really wonderful and really powerful. And we all love, as parents... Um, receiving uh, like handmade stuff from your kids and I don't think that ever leaves you and yeah I wish just people would do more handmade stuff because someone receiving it if they're judging it for its quality and its ability well they're pretty shitty people so (laughs) Um, I don't think I would ever 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 go oh that's a bit rubbish if someone made me something. Um, There are so many benefits so I'm just gonna now talk about some exact examples of clients, so groups of people that I work with, but then individual activities that I do with these each of these groups, because it might be quite surprising just how diverse and um, significant and important art therapy can be across the board. So uh, I work at schools. One thing I try and do, and I'm really trying to promote more, is group murals. So I've done a whole school mural at Brentwood Primary School where every single child was allowed to draw their face on the side of the school so it's visible from the road. They did it in chalk and then I went over it in paint. It took me a, a better part of a week but it was worth it because it is so empowering for a child to be seen. Essentially, even if you're a child or an adult, every single person wants to be seen. We all want to be noticed in this world. And physically leaving a mark where it is visible for people to see is like saying, I, as an individual, am now going to be seen by everyone that sees this mark. And it is so empowering and adds value to that person's life. It gives them a sense of purpose. They get seen and they are 
um, I can't think of a better way to say it, but yes, it gives them um, visibility. So that's one thing. Trusting a child to make a mark on such a public and, and visible space basically tells that child that we trust in you, we value you, you're good enough, it's okay. Like, even the transition nursery year one kids all were allowed to draw a little smiley face. Okay, they're pretty rubbish, they look awful. Stand alone, you wouldn't put a giant one of them on the side of a building. But as a collective 150, if for that individual child, every single kid will go, oh my gosh, my best or my effort is enough. It's enough to go on the side of a building, on the side of my school, and it's going to last for 10 plus years. So I'm not going to be erased. I'm not going to be forgotten. My mark, my presence, my visibility, my importance, my worth is going to be valued or it's going to be there, which means valued for a child for 10 plus years. So it is so empowering and an absolute benefit is the fact they all did it as a class. So everyone feels that they are collectively working together. So fantastic for class morale and teamwork and creating something together. Creating together is so powerful for connecting together. So that's a really um, important thing that I'm trying to promote more schools to get behind that and let me guide the students through collaborative murals. I have gone into a law firm and I've done a corporate team building activity. The first thing that is beneficial about this, so there's about 10 12 different mini art therapy activities I've come up with and the fact that nobody in the room is particularly artistic or they wouldn't seem um, you know they're not full-time artists is fantastic because as a beginner everyone is then on a level on the same level so the art therapy brings everyone down so there's no hierarchy the CEO is no better or no worse or no different to the new intern as the cleaner or the receptionist or whoever may be in the room. So deliberately choosing an activity where nobody's going to excel. And this is the same for sports teams. If you do a sporty, active, physical team building activity, you're still going to get hierarchy. There's still going to be someone who's naturally just fitter or stronger or better. So as a team builder, there's already divide because people who know that they're not going to be as good, it might be crazy golf, it might be um, clay pigeon shooting, it doesn't matter. It, it will be something different from your usual sport. But if you do another sport as a team builder, you're already at a disadvantage because people will arrive knowing they are not going to be as good as the usual best people. So doing art allows everyone to be on a level playing field. Um... The activities are really important, keeping them short and sharp because it doesn't allow anyone to get comfortable. It means that everyone has to just slightly grow and slightly um, improve and and through the slight disconnection, more connection is, is, sorry, discomfort. Through the slight discomfort in doing these different activities, not knowing what's coming up, just getting into the flow of one thing and then all oh, we're changing again and changing partners uh, actually means, means that everyone comes together more. If I was to do one activity where we just kind of paint for an hour, then there would be disinterest after a while. There'd be some people taking over. People would get comfortable. People would um, take 
more responsibility of doing the major part. So deliberately do lots of little activities. Also keeps it super fun because um, loads of variety in the session. And then the main activity I do, which I'm reluctant to go into detail as to why this is so beneficial, but it is a, an exact replica of how people behave in their workplace and in life is played out on the canvas. So like I've said already, and what is so important, it is how an activity or how the session or how the art is done and how the participant behaves whilst doing the activity. That is what is important. And there's the life lessons and there's the learnings, not what is created at the end. So this activity can be done in a group. I did it with this law firm. It can be do, done as a pair. Um, it can't be done with any less than two. And essentially, you just leave materials on the table and you say, okay, two rules, no talking. And you're not allowed to do anything that would be recognisable as an object. And that's it. And then deliberately step back, no other clues, no other direction, instruction, nothing. And instantly people hate it. People are asking questions and I will just say, no talking, please. They go, but, oh, uh, and who got, ha, oh, I've had my gut and no talking, please. Thank you. Thank you. And then someone in the room, usually the team leader, the CEO, the boss, the person that is deems the most themselves most authoritative they will start trying to give direction to everybody in the room and um I'll say please stop talking thank you and then someone will start to be um trying to draw something recognizable I make a note and I am basically then making notes mental or physically on a board of all the ways that people interact whether someone stays in their corner because they don't want to make a, a too much of a mark, whether someone draws over someone else, whether somebody um, tries to dictate and tell everyone, whether someone passes their pen once they finish their thing, pass it on to the next person, and how they interact as a group. And every single person behaves in that activity how they behave in the dynamic that we are within. So a work team, the leader will be the one trying to tell everyone what to do. The person that feels a little bit insignificant or doesn't want to rock the boat or is a people pleaser will stick in their corner and won't paint much. Someone that's really needing a bit more direction and a bit more instruction than just, please don't talk, don't paint anything we can recognise. Um, they won't probably do anything. They will just watch because they don't feel confident to take the steps. Some people that feel they want to be seen or heard or... Um, are really extroverted and the main, you know, life and soul of the, the party, whether that's in the office or the family or the team or whatever, they possibly will draw over everyone else's stuff with absolute no regard. They'll just go, I've had it before where someone got a, a little pot of paint and poured the whole paint pot over the whole canvas and basically eradicated everyone else. So this goes on for a long time, it goes on for an uncomfortable amount of time where everyone's getting frustrated, that in itself is important because then I talk about who has patience, who has trust, who has respect, who can't stand time wasting and it's all about relaying then how people behaved and what that represents. So that person that pulled that pot of paint over everyone else 
probably talks over people in the office, probably thinks that their opinion is um, is worth more, probably has little respect for colleagues on the same um, kind of hierarchical level, and probably is slightly insecure, so they have to make up for it by trying to show off and be louder and bigger and brighter. It's very delicate. Obviously, I don't say it so bluntly to these people, but it's a wonderful activity because simply by having an array of materials and inviting people to make marks on a canvas, that's how simple it is. People can start to have awareness about their behavior, their relationships, their thoughts, their level of confidence in a group, their dynamic in the workplace, in the team, in their family. It is so, so powerful. And that is, again, um, reiterating that it is more important how we do it, not um, what it looks like at the end. So the amount of people over the years that said, oh, I'm just so bad at art, I'm not even going to do it. You have to remember, you're doing it not for the outcome. You're doing it for the relaxation. You're doing it for the fun. You're doing it for the experience. You're doing it for switching on the right side of your brain, which in turn will make you more creative, which will help with problem solving. You're doing it for stress relief. You're doing it for, oh my gosh, I could go on and on and on. You get the idea. So that's um, a beautiful team building activity. And I love doing team building in an art therapy um context obviously done physical training and personal training um, but I prefer doing creative team building and there's um, a no kind of number of different activities that can be done because that's part of being an art therapist is coming up with loads of super fun creative activities so I do have one-on-one clients as well and they may have physical um, disability they may have cognitive they may have um all manner of different illnesses or diseases. They might be housebound, they might have dementia, they might be wheelchair-bound, motor neuron disease. I can work with anybody. And that's where it gets really interesting because there's um, the ability or there's the need actually to have to come up with different activities that are relevant and meaningful and purposeful for that individual. So Um, I had two clients who were in a residential care respite facility and each of them had dementia but each of them presented very differently and for one client he really loved talking and uh, reminiscing on his past life and his past dogs and his um, time back in another country where he grew up and um, talking about nature so bringing nature and bringing all of his favorite things into the images used in the sessions was really, really important. For another client, they just loved using their hands. So they had some motor skill issues and using their hands and just doing clay was far more beneficial. So coming up with different individual ways to get creative um, is super important obviously, um, depending on each individual. So quite different when you're working one-on-one to when you're working in a group because what you're hoping to gain from it has to be um, established at the start. And I always ask the question, most people, when they employ an art therapist, they don't even really know what that means for themselves. So I always say, 
Are you hoping to get a better understanding of yourself, self-awareness and work through some psychological issues or are you just wanting to have some fun, learn some art techniques, switch off and um, get creative? So far about usually on average five out, sorry, um, nine out of ten just want to do the latter. They just want to have fun and get creative. Some specifically want to treat it a bit more like a psychology session, which I am qualified to do. That's part of the training. So um, there's a few ways in which art therapy can be used. Um, the training, which I just mentioned, for me was a two-year diploma. I did um, most of the training at home, so online, and then we had intensive one-week um, kind of modules where we, we were there all day for, for a week, and then um, just collating everything that we'd submitted throughout the modules in the year and I have to admit when I when I became qualified and when I was allowed legally to practice as an art therapist I felt like I wasn't ready and I have since realized that I don't need to worry or don't need to over plan and don't need to try and fix um, somebody in a session or have like these groundbreaking recovery um realizations or kind of hit these recovery goals it doesn't matter there is so much benefit from simply turning up with a toolbox full of creative things and just saying what should we do today should we just have a play and and giving someone the opportunity and permission sometimes almost to say well let's just let's just splash some paint around and see see if we can see any shapes in there or let's um like a couple of days ago with a client we just got some um outdoor paint set up outside and um sprayed the paint and splashed it and flicked it over little shapes of mushrooms and created these kind of like collagey paintings and um yeah that's it that that kind of made her day that that was chance to be outside chance to forget about her worries a chance to make something fun and cute and connect and I don't know if this is scientifically proven but in every single session and I don't know if this is about me or about the activity but people I I tend to find open up so whether they let their guard down or whether they feel relaxed or whether there's a rapport there after about 20 or 30 minutes or so of creating, um, people just start to talk, start to feel comfortable to open up and it's almost like they have just completely relaxed into a safe space. Um, but I think it also just actually unlock some of the noise in the mind and some of the stress and maybe Get, lets that go a little bit and it creates a sort of a space and a freedom to then talk about and work through all that stuff that was stuck underneath all of the noise on top I'm not sure but um quite an interesting observation and I always really look forward to that part in a session so I usually do a session for an hour but um obviously it can go on for longer I do find it's quite interesting how and I've just mentioned this, people don't necessarily get creative unless they have permission. Somehow it's like they, if you're not, if you deem yourself not good, or if you think you're not talented, therefore 
you don't have a right to do it, which is so sad because there's adult coloring in books, there's um, origami, there's um, pottery classes, there's a pad of paper and a pencil. You know, I'm sure we all doodle on a page when we're on a phone call. So I, it breaks my heart that people feel like if they're not good at it, they can't do it. Every single person is, by default, for being a human being, creative. And every single person has a right to get creative. Just pick up a, I don't know, a little watercolour set from the Target or Jackson's or whatever. Um, try. You just, you do not have to be good at it to do it. That's like saying to someone, if you're not good at running, well, you're not allowed to go for a jog around the block. Or if you're not good at cooking, you don't have a right to experiment and try a new recipe. It just breaks my heart because I don't think, I can't think of a time when being creative is in any way detrimental for anyone. I don't think it's dangerous or bad for your mental health or like, I can't think of a single negative reason for being creative. It's probably one of the healthiest ways um, to work through and improve your mental health. So for me, certainly, and I've said this before on previous podcasts, I've never drank and I've never done drugs and I have thankfully never really been um, addicted to any detrimental behaviours except for obviously over-exercising and starving myself. So they're two pretty big ones. But in terms of recovering and in terms of doing things that are beneficial for my recovery I've just I've just used art just use art and I think that's been a really healthy healthy way so I encourage you to try doing art alongside other therapies and other other ways in which you're helping yourself um, one thing I will say on a personal level is that I know that I'm not in a good headspace and thankfully this hasn't been the case for a few years I am not in a good headspace if I stop creating. It's almost a really good indicator for me. I can check in. I go, oh, my brushes. Ooh, I've not, I've not touched them in a week. Or, ooh, I've noticed I've not, I've not created any new work of late. Or, I haven't been imagining or thinking up paintings. Or, I haven't come up with creative ideas. Then it's, it's like a warning, and I go, hmm, okay, what's, what's going on in my head? Where am I at? At mentally, why have I stopped being creative? So it's a wonderful way to to check in on myself. And again, it goes back to the absolute overriding theme of my whole podcast, which is self awareness. Unfortunately, I have the awareness to know that if I'm not creating, it means that I'm not probably in a great headspace, or I'm a bit stressed, or I'm a bit overwhelmed, or something. But like I say. I don't think there's been a day in the last ooh, two, three years that I haven't haven't been creating. So I was a full-time personal trainer, a wellness specialist, massage therapist about a year ago. And I just never believed that I could make enough money as an artist to sustain the lifestyle that I love. So having all my sports and doing holidays and and. I don't have an expensive lifestyle. I just didn't think I could be a full-time artist and and live. Anyway, took the leap of faith last year. I've never looked back. I've got so many ideas. There's not enough time in the day. I want to create a book that is an illustration of words of wisdom. So 
So little phrases like fill up your own bucket before you can fill others. Like I want to do that in a visual way. So I want to create a book. Um, obviously doing this podcast is is potentially a little bit creative. I've got so much I want to do in the art therapy space. If you've listened this far, thank you so much. I'm just going to do a quick plug in that I have started a charity. It's not a charity status yet, but I want to do 100 free murals in 10 years. Because one thing I haven't said is purely looking at art, having the ability and the option to view something engaging, eye-catching, beautiful, something different from your usual environment can be so therapeutic in itself. So just flicking through some beautiful photographs or seeing a mural on a wall, I know has a a positive impact on most. So I want to gift that positive impact and that healing therapeutic benefit to as many people as possible. My first wall that I'm gifting is to MSWA. They have a residential care home in City Beach and they've got a huge wall that is visible from the bedrooms and I'm going to put a mural on there for free. All of this is going to be funded hopefully by donations, um, maybe maybe grants. Um, yeah, so obviously viewing art is really important. I always feel a little bit funny if I go to someone's house and there's no artwork on the walls. I'm like, hmm, I don't want to psychoanalyze them, but I, I'm all, all, always a little bit unsure of how that's even possible. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I see a blank wall as an opportunity, but I find that bizarre. So maybe if you've gotten this far, which if you're not into art, you probably haven't, but if you have got this far and you have no art in a certain room or if you've got a big space on your wall, maybe try going and buying a little piece of artwork. It doesn't have to be something expensive. It can just be a print or blow up a photo that you love or a scene, a landscape that you particularly like. And um, just observe how that might alter your mindset or change your mood in the day. I don't think there can ever be enough art in the world. So I think, oh gosh, 45 minutes. I'm sure there's more to talk on this. Obviously, this is my passion. This is my job. This is my life. And um, I hope that that has shed a little bit of light on art, art therapy, how art can be beneficial. And please, please, please get creative. You do not need to be the world's best artist just to enjoy the benefits and have fun with creativity. So however that looks for you, whether it's just biro, whether that's painting, whether it's clay, whether it's drawing in the mud. I've done that in Africa before. We didn't have access to paint and um, pens and whatnot. So I just got a stone and I just drew in the hard earth. It doesn't have to be fancy, but please enjoy your art. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Get creative. <laughs> Bye.